Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. Um, please tell me you can hear me. I, I can hear you. And, and just a little just a little inside the show, a little behind the scenes DVD commentary. This is the third time <laughs> that we would try to start this episode. <laughs> This, we're reviewing Apple products today, right? That's what we're doing? Well, see, so David, are you one of these people who always has to have the latest uh, beta update of their OS? I think maybe- I like to have a good beta, yeah. It may be some of the beta, <laughs> but this, th- so this, but this is like fifth this beta. show is in beta right now. The, yeah, seriously. I do have one other theory. Um, I bought a charger um, off Amazon and it's not uh, Apple, you know, it's not an Apple charger. I'm thinking maybe, and I woke up this morning and my phone was dead. It had not charged. So I don't know if, um, I know that I know this, the charger's no good. Could be but some now, electrical interference, a little Black Lodge entity, Twin Peaks oh, fans. Oh man, yes, I don't know, man. But it's, if, it, if it drops again, I'm just gonna drive over out of where you are. I'm just gonna talk. Maybe we'll record it, maybe we won't. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day, and we this episode is brought to you by our friends at SeatGeek. Use our promo code LONBA when you download the free SeatGeek app and get $20 off your first purchase. I'm Doug Branson, and I'm joined by the man, the myth, the legend, David Walker, and we have a huge show. Hornets general manager Rich Cho stopped by the studio a few days ago. We've got that interview coming up and more, but first, I have... I have a golf rant. I know that's weird on this show, but this is our this is our medium. This is our our place to talk. And I just I have a golf rant because the PGA Championship was uh, this past weekend. It was here in Charlotte. David, how much of it did you get a chance to watch? Not a lot, man. Um, it was so in Charlotte, it it so was there's some Charlotte. novelty to it. Right. So we had it on and I've been out to the golf tournament previous years. It's, it's a nice day out there. It's pretty humid out there uh, this weekend. So here, what's though, the but... difference between being out there and, and the TV coverage? Like what's what's better in your mind? I wouldn't say one is better for this year. There was just a ton of people out there and I was not uh, really game on getting out there and, and, and mixing up with like a billion people. So the crowd was a deterrent for me this year a bit. I've been out there before. It is a cool scene. Um, David, I know they've, they've been televising golf for a long time, but I'm not sure they've, they've quite figured it out yet because I still can't get on and And that's not about me, but I just feel like a lot of people that I talk to can't get on board until, you know, the, the, the players that are vying for the win are, are down to their last, you know, seven or eight holes. Yeah. On television. Yeah. I'm sure being there is a completely different experience. And it looks, they're doing some cool things. They've got sensors in the ball now. And when people, you know, drive off the tee, you can see the arc of the ball. You can see exactly where it travels. I mean, that's crazy. That's amazing technology. But the jumping around, like I have no sense. And I had a, a guy. sense of where you are. Yeah. And I had a friend who was there and he was, mm-hmm. he texted me and said he was on the 18th green and he said, Hey, where did Ricky Fowler's shot go on the 18th green? Did he go left? I'm like, I don't know, man. That's like five <laughs> minutes away. I, you know, they, we're at the mercy. That's the thing. We're yeah. at the mercy of the television coverage. And it's not like, and the problem is it's not like NASCAR because NASCAR is a similar thing. If you want to follow one driver, you're sort of at the mercy of, of where the broadcast is, but you can still you know where people are. Yeah, You can still get an overall view 
There's no leaderboard up. They they sort of cut to the leaderboard every now. I don't know. It just seems like they haven't figured it's, out golf yet. That's my rant. If you're a golf fan out there and you watch golf regularly, you probably think these are ridiculous comments. But just from someone who doesn't watch it that often, um, yeah, I mean that's that's an issue. And then the star power, right? Like they're they're trying to keep track of Ricky Fowler. Probably hoping he makes a run uh, because I, I I didn't really know any of the other guys to be honest with you. Speaking of star power, we have some coming up on this show. Yes. Biggest guest we've ever had, Hornets general manager Rich Cho. He stopped by the studio, not even a call-in. He visited the Gittimer.com studios where we are doing this episode right now to discuss his new food site, BigTimeBites.com, a place where you can find scouting reports for dishes in cities all across the country and where people can submit their own scouting reports. David, you submitted one. I did. I submitted mine last night. Ooh, what'd you submit? I submitted uh, the Beagles breakfast at Jack Beagles. I talk about this all mm. the time. If you follow me on Twitter, at Doug Branson NBA, you see pictures of it all the time. I go there every weekend. It was the, it was the obvious choice. We also chatted wow. about the Hornets offseason, of course. And since it was his first time in the studio, we got to know him and what his life is like as a general manager. So listen, you're going to learn a lot in this interview. But first, before we get to that... We have to discuss the news that we got yesterday on the Julian Stone front, David. Uh, Guys, if you've never heard of that name, let me help you. Julian Stone is a 6'6 point guard out of UTEP in 2011, bounced around a few teams in the NBA before going to the G League, and then spent some time overseas in Turkey, and then finally with a team named Rayer Venezia in Italy. And uh, it was that contract that he signed with that Italian team that was giving the Hornets a little bit of trouble in terms of signing Julian Stone, pulling him away from that Italian league team. But according to Shams over at Yahoo Sports, the Hornets are close to signing Stone pending FIBA approval. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. FIBA? FIBA. <laughs> Pretty sure it's a little FIBA. bell every time we say FIBA. It appears... They, must, they really like this guy, Doug. Yeah, it appears they've cleared whatever hurdle they needed to clear with Rayer, and Stone will soon be in teal and purple. And David, we talked about him in depth last week. The Hornets seem to to like him. What do you remember from our in-depth discussion? Do you still like him? Yeah, I mean, I think the 6'6 height is the thing that sticks out for him. It's just a different look. Gives you a little more look. Um, like Michael Carter-Williams, really. But again, I mean, we know Steve Clover's trying to get more um, trying to get more height than the backcourt for quite some time now. And um, that always helps. I mean, Kemba's at a disadvantage out there, but I think they're just trying to give a little bit of a, of a different look and a guy that's, you know, been around a little bit. But it is, you know, they've stuck on him, Doug. I mean, that, that was the other thing that stuck out to me. It's like, you know. Um, they really zeroed in. They didn't give yeah, up. Yeah, they really zeroed in on this guy. That's that's a good point. And our friend Baseline Buzz made a player comparison to Lance Stevenson because of the size, because of his innate uh, vision and passing ability and because of some of the struggles that he had to shoot. It's what knocked him out of the NBA initially and sent him on this journey. I say there were there are a few differences uh, in terms of the situation that Stone will be jumping into. He won't be uh, asked to do a ton as a third point guard option. Yeah. I, I think even if he did you know, move up to the second point guard option, he's not going to be asked uh, to do a lot. So it's it's different in that way. And I think that he's not as not as in love with his own offense. He he still likes to drive. He still likes to dribble, you know. Uh, but I, I think that he's not as in love with his own offense. He's he's more focused on defense, more focused on passing. So, uh, but I but I, clearly, I see the yeah, comparison. Yeah, and they needed Lance to score too. Right, remember that? I mean, they were kind of begging for him to yes. be that third scorer. They definitely don't need Julian Stone to be anywhere near uh, that no, type. This of is score, a so. this is a high reward low risk type of deal i mean they're mm-hmm. taking a chance and this is what ha- and and i wouldn't worry you're going to go look on basketball reference at julian stone and you're going to see uh totals and averages in the nba that don't look very good he just didn't get a lot of run i mean that's just that's the plain and simple fact and it was because of his shooting ability or lack thereof it, it seems like he's worked to try to improve that again don't think that's what the hornets will look uh, to him to do uh, more, nah. more in running an offense, more in facilitating for other players. If he does, uh, if injury uh, allows him to get some run, so yep. 
Hey, do, do you yeah. think they're it's not that they're doing like a revolving door type thing with this third point guard slot and trying to bring up, you know, former G League guys and young guys to get a shot. But, you know, this is their second go around with somebody like that. I mean, Briante had some NBA experience, obviously, but, um, you know, a guy they're giving a shot to. Do you think or how are you with that approach? You know, like you said, it's it's low risk. If he turns out to be great, you know, that's 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 a high reward. But. Uh, that third point guard slot just kind of, you know, taking a flyer on some guys. Are you, are you good with that approach? I mean, given the circumstances, I I don't know. (laughs) They have a whole lot of other options. I love that approach because again, if you're going to experiment, experiment at the position where you have your best player, Kimball Walker is their best player. And if, if Kimball Walker is lost for the season, then the season is lost essentially. So, if you're going to experiment with depth, experiment there. Okay, yeah. we have a big interview coming up with Rich Cho, general manager of the Charlotte Hornets. Before we get to that, though, I want to talk about SeatGeek. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way i found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps on my phone, I can instantly find seats. I just used it to scope out tickets for Paramore at Ovens Auditorium. Haven't been there in a while. On September 11th, I ran out of 90s bands to buy tickets for, David. So I'm going to go check out Paramore Killer Act. I've loved them for a long time. Love the new album, Synth Pop. A lot of No Doubt and Blondie influences. It's good stuff. And I use SeatGeek to grab those tickets. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket, from sports and concerts to comedy and even theater. And our listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Here's what you have to do. Download the SeatGeek app today. Enter promo code L-O-N-B-A, that's L-O-N-B-A, today for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Okay, here we go. Time to get to Rich Show, and we talk a lot about food, so enjoy. Joining us in studio, very special guest, general manager of the Charlotte Hornets, Rich Cho. Rich, welcome in. Thanks. How you doing? Good. And you know, now you have joined the proud blogger community. You started <laughs> bigtimebites.com and you call it the arena for food scouts. Why did you decide to start a food site, a food website? You know, I've always had a a huge affinity for food and and um just different types of food and and cultures and so when you know I started traveling a lot with my job uh many years back and and I'd always uh ask people before I travel to a city hey do you know a good burger spot here do you know a good sushi spot here and um and I started writing it down in a notepad and then and then after a while people would ask me hey do you know a good spot here and there and so I'd have this big notebook of information and I and then one day I thought you know what I want to put this in a database and, and kind of share all the information. Now, your dad was a, a journalist. Did he have some journalistic experience in the past? So that's kind of fits in there too, right? Yeah, my dad was a journalist in uh, in Burma. Okay. And then uh, when we came over to the States, uh, you know, the journalism degree from Burma didn't mean too much. So so um, uh, he didn't do that over in the States. Right. But, uh um, yeah, he's got a journalism background. Nice. Well, that fits right into the blogging and yeah, uh, it, it's funny. I mean, we're, we're into the blogs. Obviously we, we are all over the internet <laughs> in uh, the blogs. Yeah. So, so it's fun. My dad was a journalist too. So we okay. have a little bit of that in common. So you, you left Burma pretty early, but did your family bring over the Burmese cuisine and, and what's involved with Burmese cuisine? Yeah. Burmese. Well, I came over when I was three. Uh, there was a church in uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana that sponsored us. Um, Burmese cuisine is kind of a mix between Thai, Chinese, and Indian. This is a pretty unique cuisine. So tell us, what is a big-time bite? You know, everybody's got their own definition <laughs> of, of uh, what what's good. 
and, and what's not, and everyone's got their own different tastes. It's, you know, not that different than basketball players. So I might really like a player. You might not like a player. I, I might think he's he's a all star. You might think he's just a rotation player or a D league player. So. Um, so as far as big time bites goes, uh, I think the site is the model for the site is different than any other site. When I thought about creating a food blog, because uh, there's a gazillion blogs out there, wanted to do something different, and, and I think there's a couple things that are different from this site than others. One, um, it's it's got a sports slant to it, so uh, it's all my reviews, and they're called scouting reports, and then. Um, as a visitor to the site, you can put in your own scouting report. So it's kind of a, like a hybrid of my stuff and like almost like a Yelp-type format. Uh, so I think that's different. Um, the other uh, couple differences are um, it's called Big Time Bites. So there's uh, you, you, it has to be a good dish to be on, on the site. So uh, we also rate each dish, uh, and there's five rating systems, five different ratings. Uh, rotation, starter, all-star, franchise, and Hall of Fame. So, um, and then there's a rubric or definition for each type of rating. Uh, and then the other difference between this and say Yelp is this is dish-based versus restaurant-based. If you go on Yelp, it's more restaurant-based, or if you go on other sites, it's restaurant-based. This is dish-based, and uh, I felt like that would be a good uh, good model because. You know, if you're in a in a city and you feel like, hey, I want a burger or I want some sushi, you're gonna go find a restaurant with, that has that stuff instead of actually finding a restaurant and then, you know, you're not gonna order the whole menu. So, um, so I feel like this is kind of a different type of blog, and uh, hopefully, uh, it, uh, it's a forum for uh, people to share their their uh, good dishes, and uh, um, people can get a lot out of it. I can say because I submitted one. Yeah, I saw that this and you morning. Fast it, right? It's yeah. good to go. <laughs> what did you What did you submit? Uh, it was pizza from Inizio. Okay, that's how I, I think that's how they say. Never that's had like it. Say now it. I want to try it. Yeah, but you mentioned like the ratings process. It's really easy to understand, you know, because um, that's I was like, wow, it's an all star. What's a What's a role player? But I didn't want to give it. I mean, I like this pizza, but I don't want to give it Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. reserved for the best of the best, right? Oh yeah, Hall of Fame's <laughs> like it's just like a player, the best of the best. And so uh, the definition I have in there for Hall of Fame is this dish is the best of the best regardless of cuisine or category, and it's it's a dish you have to try before you die. Now, where does your love of food – because this started on your Instagram when you would pop around and, and take pictures of, of food that you loved. Where does your love of food come from? You know, my whole family loves to eat. Uh, <laughs> we got some big eaters in the house. I got three brothers that absolutely love to eat. One of my brothers uh, was a chef in the army, and then uh, my sister's a big eater. Um, you know, my mom and dad. Um, dad's passed away now, but they love to eat too. So, uh, just kind of came came. It runs in the family, I guess. <laughs> now, in Charlotte, you mentioned like the Hall of Fame, the best of the best. Have you had any Hall of Fame dishes here in Charlotte? Like, what's the biggest bite, biggest time bite you've had here? Uh, you know, there's there's some good dishes yeah. out, out here. Um, uh, one of the, my favorite spots is in Davidson, Kindred. Um, they've got a uh, they got some crispy oysters appetizer there that's really good. Um, a squid ink pasta with a North Carolina shrimp dish that's uh, tre- tremendous. Uh, I don't think I rated those Hall of Fame, but uh, the pork belly tacos at Seoul Gastro Lounge. Okay, that's, yes. that is yes. right up there. That, that, that's that's an awesome dish there. Totally agree. Now, some of these games, these Hornets games, they end pretty late into the evening. Is there a late night spot uh, that you can recommend for people hopping out of a game? Yeah, I love Seoul Gastro Lounge yeah. in, in Plaza Midwood. Yeah. Uh, it's open late. Only drawback is uh, uh, there's a long line, <laughs> um, but there's an app called No Wait that you can um, kind of get in line uh, and, and uh, hopefully not wait as long. Yeah, there's apps for everything now because you can stand in line, go get do something else. I use that in Asheville, who also has some great spots. Yeah. Are there other close travel spots that you've hit, like Charleston's close by? Within Charlotte, you can get you know somewhere within like two hours. Are there any spots you like to take off to? Oh, yeah. Charleston's a great town. Yeah. I, I love Charleston. Um, my favorite spots there are uh, Fig. Mm-hmm. That, they, they've mm-hmm. got a um, 
a, uh, a Noki dish there that's uh, mm. off the charts. I think I rated that Hall of Fame. Uh, uh-huh. Shea Nu is a, um, it's not as well known as Fig or some of those other spots, but it's a, a little French restaurant in a house. And it's it's awesome. They have uh, only they have two two entrees, two appetizers, and and two desserts each night. They post what they're gonna make uh, in the afternoon on their Twitter, and uh, it, it's an awesome restaurant. And then one sixty seven Raw down there uh, has a great lobster roll. You really can't go wrong with a restaurant that's in a house. Like if I walk up and there's a welcome <laughs> mat, I know I'm I'm most likely going or to with, get a good or the, or the one or two dishes. Like you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. they they got to hit it out of the park. Yeah. So we know you 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 love to eat, you love to to rate food, but do you like to watch food shows? Is that something? Do you like to watch other people eat? Or other oh yeah, yeah. Eat? No, I I like those shoes <laughs> shows. Yeah. Yeah. Do I you have any like favorites? Those shoes. I mean, I like watching Andrew Zimmerman because yeah. he's a little off the wall and, and off the beaten path. I uh, I like the hidden gems in the hole in the walls. Um, and, and, you know, those are my favorites, really, instead of the big chains. Uh, you mentioned Asheville. I love homegrown up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they've got a great fried chicken dish. Now, in Charlotte specifically, if you were to go out and say, you know, you're you're, you're – perfect day of meals out in Charlotte. Do you have like a breakfast, lunch, dinner spot that you would have go-tos for each? Well, I'm not a big breakfast no. guy. Otherwise, it'd be about 300 pounds. <laughs> um, uh, lunch uh, lunch spots, I, I kind of I, I go all over. Yeah. Um, I go uptown just in walking distance. I go over here just down the road from the studio to Food of Buddha sometimes. Oh, so good. I like the uh, fire and ice ramen there. Oh, man, me too. That's my favorite. <laughs> oh, man, salmon is... Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love Kindred, like I said, in, in uh, Davidson. Um, so I go all over. There's yeah. a little Mexican spot on South Boulevard called Maria's that I frequent. Oh, man. Uh, they've got great tacos. Uh, now, if you go on the app and someone has already entered in a dish, like I noticed that when I was putting mine in, it, it auto-filled. Is there... Is there like a filter for that, or do you let, or, or I guess you guys are approving them, right? But would you put the same? Or do you try and limit, you know, doubling up on on reviews or something? No, no, you can you can review uh, a dish that has already been reviewed. Okay, and uh, the autofill is just so you don't have to fill it in gotcha. again. So if uh, if uh, if let's say I go review Inizio, yeah, uh, uh, which you've already reviewed. Um, Inizio will show up and then it'll autofill okay. so you don't so the user doesn't have to put in all that information again perfect but part of the beauty of the site is you might think something's all-star and I might think it's um, Hall of Fame or rotation mm-hmm. and and and, uh, and that's good I, yeah. I want I want there to be some some different uh, ratings because uh, you know I'm, I'm not one to say hey all my all my ratings are correct and, right and that's why I don't we don't disapprove things based on ratings. We only the stuff we disapprove is is we don't want profanity on the side yeah. or, or anything yeah. crazy. And that's that's probably a lot like uh, basketball scouting in that anyone uh, who is vying for an NBA team is a great basketball player. There are just levels of of great basketball players, yep. right? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about in arena eating. Uh, is there anything in the arena? What what kind of things in the arena are worthy of a big time bite? Uh, well, JJ's Red Hots has good yeah. hot dogs. Uh, Queen City Q, oh, yeah. I, I think they have uh, good food there as well. So uh, those are two good spots. All right, we're going to play a quick game that's going to test you as a, a food expert and a basketball expert. <laughs> it's called uh, Prospect or Food. The game is simple. I'm going to uh, read you a name, and you tell me whether it is an international basketball prospect or... Or is it an international delicacy? Rich, are you ready to play prospect or food? Uh, I guess so, but I'm, I'm not. I'm not real good at uh, uh, foreign words, so you know. Well, all right, well, it's, <laughs> we'll it's, see. We'll see. It's a fifty-fifty shot either okay. way. Okay. The first one is, and and you're. I may not pronounce these entirely. Oh, FIBA, FIBA, FIBA. We go back and forth on that one. Um, okay. The first one is Hakarl. 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 Uh, uh, okay, I'll say food. 
That is correct. A carl, <laughs> you see it on the screen there, is the rotting carcass of a Greenland or basking shark. It's buried underground in a shallow pit and pressed with stones so the poisonous internal fluids that allow it to live can be drained out. Mmm. I feel like if Looks you good. I feel like if you review <laughs> if you review a potentially poisonous food, you should get like some sort of extra credit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Next one is uh, Slavica. 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 Okay, player. That is yes. correct. That is correct. That he is from Croatia, 2018 prospect Nick Slavica. Okay, next up, Duombuja. Duombuja. Is that a prospect or a food? Food. Oh, I'm sorry. That's incorrect. <laughs> We're actually talking about Siku Duombuja, six nine, small forward out of France. Had to talk to Nick about Nick Batum about it. <laughs> exactly. Right, next up, Bone Deggy. Bone, Bone Deggy. Is that a prospect or a food? Well, I never heard of him as a, as a prospect. So that is a food. That is correct. It's a South Korean silkworm snack that apparently tastes like wood, but she seems to enjoy it, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, next one, Kulbuka. Kulboka. Kulboka. Yeah, that, that's uh, Arnoldus Koboka. Oh, he's he's correct. a player. All right, yeah. extra credit because <laughs> extra credit because you nailed the first name as well. Six nine small forward from Lithuania. All right, final one here. Odiak. Odiak. Is it a prospect, international prospect, or international delicacy? Odiak. I'll say food. That is correct. We're going back to Croatia. That is a roasted suckling pig. Now that looks that like looks pretty good. That good does pig. look good. That could be a big time bite. I think if you uh, manage to get to Croatia. All right. So that's prospect or food. I think what that five out of six. That was impressive. Amazing. Impressive. <laughs> and you got the first name of. Uh, I'm not even going to say either. Arnaldus Kulboka. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Let's uh, before we get you out of here, Rich. Want to talk to you a little bit about the Hornets off season. We'll start with the draft. You get Malik Monk with the 11th pick. Not a lot of people felt that he would be there at 11. You talked to a, or you talked to the media and you said that you spoke to him over Skype uh, beforehand when it you know looked like it was going to be a possibility. And uh, to learn a little bit more about him, what have you learned about him since drafting? Uh, well, you know, we do a ton of uh, background work during the year and, and um, uh spoken to a lot of people about him uh coaches trainers um AAU people so we really had a good feel for him um coming uh, uh going into the draft but uh you know a- after we met him and, and uh he came here uh you just realize what a uh genuinely nice person he is and uh he's got a great head on his shoulders his his brother who he's very close with uh, is with him also and uh, going to be moving here. So comes from a really nice family. You know, he's from Arkansas and, and loves to fish. So he's very down to earth. And, and hunt some yeah. game, some yeah. small game squirrels, yeah. I think. Yeah, that's right. He had the lining on his jacket, right? He had a good, <laughs> yeah. he had a good yeah. draft night jacket. Yeah. Now that, that pick almost seemed like, an, I mean, easy for us to say, a no-brainer on draft night because the talent fell right there. And um, in in uh, in 2016, you traded that first round pick. What's I mean? What's the more difficult uh, choice to make? What's the tougher decision? I guess it depends on on where you're slotted. But trading that first round pick, or or making that first round pick. You know what I mean? Like, what's the tougher scenario? Well, I think it depends what you can get in trade and where you are as a as a team, and, and uh, you know who's available at that pick. So there's a lot of different. Um, variables involved so it, it just depends on on the year and and uh, uh where you're picking you know when we traded the pick it was in the t- early 20s so um uh we just felt like we we weren't and there was one guy we were really targeting uh but he wasn't uh you know he was already gone and uh, so we wound up making the 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 trade and we felt like at the time it was the right thing to do um, because we're coming off the uh, forty-eight win season, uh, so uh, you know, sometimes. So to answer your question, it just kind of depends on the year and who's available. Do you remember who that guy was? <laughs> oh yeah, but I'd rather not say. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. We did. We actually did. We played Rich Cho in in the Locked On in the Locked On Podcast Network yeah, the, draft this yeah. year, and we did make a trade. We did. We, we traded. traded back. We traded back. We got offered Corey Joseph 
and the Raptors pick for which was deep first round, right for uh, for for the Hornets pick and Jeremy, Jeremy Lamb. Lamb. So yeah, great. But <laughs> 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 well, what we were thinking was get that backup point guard right, and then hopefully get mm-hmm. some talent on the late end of that first round. And we were able to pick John Collins. Okay, and you know, good, I mean, it's, value. It, it was a deep draft. Yeah. I think that was the that was the thinking there. Yeah, depth of that draft exactly. was, was significant. Hey, let's chat about let's chat about the biggest name acquisition in quite a while for the franchise, Dwight Howard. You won't find. Many NBA analysts, unfortunately, who have faith in a Howard renaissance, despite him putting up elite rebounding numbers last season, ESPN.com's panel of experts just voted him worst newcomer. Why do you have faith in in Dwight Howard, and what do the hashtag experts have wrong? Well, I think a big part of it is uh, Coach Clifford has some history with him, and, and he understands him, and and Dwight has a um, comfort level with Coach Clifford, so uh, we're leaning on that quite a bit. Uh, going into the off season, uh, a couple things we were trying to address: one, rim protection and shot blocking; two, physicality; and, and three, overall depth. So we feel like Dwight uh, addresses all those needs, and and he, you know he did average a double double again last year. He's averaging every double year. double every year he's <laughs> right. been in the league. So. So uh, hopefully that will continue, and uh, we think he'll he'll help us on both ends of the floor. And his teams have made the playoffs. I think every year he, he's been in the league, right? I mean, he's had success, team success. Overall. Yeah, he, he's had a lot of success, and, and um, y- y- you know, hopefully uh, he'll have a, a very good year for us. But we're we're really excited to have him and, and have Malik and, and uh, Dwayne Bacon as well, and. And also we signed uh, Michael Carter-Williams to our backup point guard spot, and we're excited to have him also. And you added a couple of guys on, on two-way contracts, which is a new tool you know, available this year. What are your thoughts on those? Is that kind of a, a wait and see how that develops throughout the league? Is it something that you see can be a real asset moving forward? Yeah, I think part of it is wait and see. You know, I think the whole league is kind of wait and see mode and see how it, how it goes. Uh um, but we're excited about our two-way guys, yeah. um, Marcus Page and uh, Mango Mathiang. Uh, and uh, it, it's a way for uh, for a team to get a couple guys into their system and keep close tabs on them. Uh, it doesn't count towards your cap. You still have to pay them, but it doesn't count towards your cap. Uh, they can be up with the uh, Hornets uh, squad up to 45 days. And uh, then there's a little time before the G League season starts and after the G League season ends that you can have them up as well so um uh, we're excited about those guys too now the g league team for the charlotte hornets the greensboro swarm that's a relatively new tool as well how has that affected uh, uh, your job as general manager well it's it's uh it, it you know it's a good i think um having your own g league team um player development is such an important part of the uh, process uh, to make your team better, and uh, we can keep close tabs on on these guys and and monitor them and uh, and you know bring them up to the Hornets. And, and it's important to, when you have your own G League team to run to have synergy between the parent team and the G League team, and we'll be running our, the same offense and same defense. Uh, so there's a seamless transition when when they do come back and forth. Now, for two straight off seasons, you've had relative consistency in your starting unit and and some adjustments to make to find that quality depth what are the challenges to finding the right guys the right fit to come off the bench as opposed to you know finding a starter how do you compare last season's moves in that effort to this season's moves yeah I mean it's not easy because uh, um, they're always trying to find the right mix of of guys that will fit in with your squad and and then um you know you don't necessarily have all five guys playing together um at the same time you, you know you don't you don't have the the starters don't always play the same minutes and then the backups don't always play together the same five guys so you want guys that are interchangeable and have some versatility that's why we had you know Jeremy Lin played with Kemba sometimes and so uh you just have to find the right mix Hoping Michael Carter Williams can come in with his size and play with and without Kemba, and uh, he'll be a good fit also with Malik uh, coming off the bench as well. Um, so it, it's always tricky, but but it's uh, it's it's um, 
always good to have guys with some versatility and uh, scoring punch off the bench. Yeah, it feels like complimentary players of focus this offseason with Michael Carter-Williams and his size versus Kemba. And then uh, Steve Clifford talked a lot about Dwight Howard and how his offensive pick-and-roll game was different from Cody Zeller's game. And so that, you know, that you can work together a little bit in that respect. So um, let's get back to you, though, for a second before we wrap this up. You have a degree in mechanical engineering and a degree in law. Which of those do you find yourself accessing more as a general manager? Well, I think they're both really helpful. The the engineering and math background is really helpful with the salary cap and in uh, numbers because every you know there's a lot of numbers and analytics involved, but uh, the law degree is is really really helpful as well. Just uh, knowing about contracts and understanding the collective bargaining agreement uh, also it helps with negotiating contracts. So they're both really helpful. Do you find that, uh, do you find that there are degrees uh, when you're communicating with different people around the league that they're because the CBA is so incredibly complicated? Is there degrees of sort of understanding of sort of the intricacies of the collective bargaining agreement among front offices around the league? Uh, yeah, I, I, th- I would say so. Um, but uh, you know, I, I have a good relationship with uh, uh, all the teams, and, and uh, um, so anything that uh, is, you know, the teams also rely on the NBA and as well as their general counsels to uh, to give advice. So um, there's different under different uh, degrees of understanding, but uh, you, you know, everybody in the league is is. Uh, there for a reason so every you know it's it's not like you can pull the wool over somebody if that's what you're asking you know uh. it's not like that so um uh but uh but the law degree and engineering yeah. degree does definitely help and and along those lines rich is it fair to say there are differing or or even competing philosophies on how to how to build a team with throughout the league you know as you go front office to front office one may choose to approach it a different way yeah, I would say so. I, I think uh, some teams are more um, risk tolerant or risk adverse, and and other teams are are you know different. So uh, I think part of it depends on you know where you are yep. location wise. Yep. And uh, uh, here in Charlotte, it's not uh, a big city like L.A. or New York, and we don't have South Beach. Uh, you know right. that 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 might be attractive to not some yet. Players. I just I yeah. just uh, the inconvenient sequel may uh, I don't know we'll to watch that. <laughs> may have but I do think like uh, sh- uh, players around the league are realizing what a nice city Charlotte is and, and a good place to play, and we have a very good coaching staff. and And you saw it a few years ago when we signed Al Jefferson as a free agent. Then the following year, uh, even though Utah matched, uh, Gordon Hayward signed here as a free agent, a restricted free agent, when he could have gone to a few different places. Then we switched gears after Utah matched and got Lance Stevenson yeah. to sign. And then uh, when Jeremy Lin here, Jeremy Lin came here, he, he signed as a free agent too. So uh, I think Charlotte is is becoming a, a you know a, a well known destination for for players and um, I think the future is bright for us. And and to me, the one thing with all those guys and especially, uh, you know, Jeremy Lin, when he left, he wanted that starting opportunity, but they all had such positive things to say about the culture that was built here. And between you and Michael and Coach Clifford, it seems like there's a real collective effort where I think a lot of people want to, you know, point the finger at one person for, you know, one decision or another. You guys have really tried to foster a collective, you know, group effort when you're trying to build this team, haven't you? Oh yeah, yeah. It's definitely um, good to be on the same page, and, and uh, you know, I have a f- philosophy: uh, agree, disagree, align. And uh, it's definitely um, uh, good to be on the same page. And, and uh, Coach Clifford does a great job uh, building the culture in the locker room. And uh, one thing that we've tried to make a concerted effort is to bring in in good guys, uh, uh, big uh, hard workers. Uh, guys with a strong work ethic, uh, high character guys, and um, guys that are good teammates and unselfish. And in, in your experience in, in Seattle, Portland, Charlotte, uh, you know, th- there's 
we talked about a, a different team philosophies, and not every team decides to go to one extreme or the other. Uh, what kind of things would would keep a, a franchise? What kind of circumstances would keep someone from pursuing a, a hinky type process model? Well, I think a lot of that is uh, you know up to ownership and uh, what direction they want to go. I think some owners are. Um, are have some tolerance for that and, and some owners uh you know they want to win now or or they don't want to go down to the bottom and um and they're fine just being like at the eighth seed or just kind of competing for a playoff spot so it to- i think it totally depends on you know, the ownership and uh, uh how they view uh, what their fans want as well so there's this uh, a famous picture I love of uh, Joe Dumars uh, then working in the Pistons front office holding two phones. There it is, up to his head at one time. One of them a cord phone, uh, no less. Have you ever found yourself in a situation uh, that required multiple devices on your head at the same time? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. You, you know, on draft night and the trade deadline, when it gets super busy, you've got a lot of calls coming in. You might have a, um, a deal in the works and then somebody else is offering another deal and you're kind of going back and forth, uh, hang on for a second, uh, and then kind of seeing what, what else is on the table. How do you yeah. process all of that information flying at you in such a short period of time? Well, it's just part of multitasking, <laughs> I guess. And, and uh, uh, you know, typically um, – if I have somebody else in the room too, we'll write it on the board. Or, or uh, if it's just me, I'll write it down. And and um, you know, we we also do a ton of research and and uh, in preparation for the draft and trade deadlines. So when stuff comes to us or we're going to teams, you know, nothing typically is doesn't come out of the blue. Well, speaking of pictures, and not to take you back to you know a, a, an unhappy time, but but when you lost the Dwight Howard, the number one pick. Um, I'm sorry, Anthony the Anthony Davis, Davis pick. Yeah. You know, there was that pick, and and I I had a feeling <laughs> my my stomach sank. I think at that time. I mean, what was going through your head at that moment when you know that was the reality? Was it an instant like, all right, now we have to refocus, we have to replan, or was it just a kick in the gut? And I just need a second to to you know reassess where we are. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was I, tough, I'm sure. Yeah, trying to uh, block that out uh, of my yeah, memory, no, but sorry uh, to bring that up. yeah, it was probably more of a kick in the gut, and and um, you know, you just move on. Yeah, uh, we, we felt like the number two pick was was uh, a good pick, also. So mm-hmm. you just move on. You know, only one team can win, but I think, and, that, and the odds were against us to win it. Yeah, and I think that speaks to some of the things you were talking to earlier. When you have to take into account, you know, where your fan base is, where you are as a franchise you know, what can really play in the city, right? Like to go down that road again, I just think what we've discussed before here would have been tough mm-hmm. in yeah. Charlotte. And when you look back uh, post that draft on on all the things that have been accomplished, the, the Al Jefferson acquisition, two playoff trips. Um, and MKG, I mean, he's, he's a cornerstone. Uh, absolutely. Um, how do you how do you feel about the 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 legacy that you've created so far with this Charlotte franchise and, and what's ahead of you in the future? Uh, well, I mean, we feel pretty positive about the future. Uh, we feel like we're in a good place. We've got a good mix of uh, veterans and young guys, and and uh, I think the future is bright here. And uh, what's one thing, we'll close with this, what's one thing about the draft process or free agency or just being a general manager of a professional basketball team that maybe the average the average fan or, or even average pundits like David and I may not know or may misunderstand about the job? Uh, well, I would say, one, it's a very difficult job. Yeah. You know, you've got a lot of constituents, um, and uh, it, there's, it's a difficult job on a number of different levels. Uh, one of the hardest parts about the job, which a lot of people don't see, is, is uh, I would say, splitting up the pie. Mm-hmm. So you've got, you've got your salary cap, you've got your luxury tax, You've got your own uh, internal ownership budget, and uh, uh, you've got 15, 13 to 15 players and, and agents who uh, all believe they're better than they probably are. And, and so you've got to split up the pie so everybody's semi-happy. Yeah. And I, I think that's a big part of the job and, and, and a difficult part of the job. 
Um, the other part of the job where probably a lot of people don't see and, and you probably don't realize it until you're actually in the job is how much non-basketball stuff there is as well, you, whether it's uh, – uh, and, and these are things that that are uh, prevalent in other companies too. Uh, you know things like HR issues. Uh, can I get managing a raise? People. Yeah, managing people and, and uh, things of that sort. Uh, you know, it's not just all. Hey, let's go play fantasy basketball, and make a trade <laughs> because you know there's very few trades, and, and it's one of those things where. Once you make a trade, you, you you can't just turn around and trade again like you can in fantasy basketball. And um, you also can't force people to make a trade. Right. So uh, <laughs> it's not, it's not um, you know, uh, it, it's not simple to just say, hey, let's go get this um, uh, all-star uh, for, for these guys um, because, um, you know, the other teams. You got to have a dance partner. Right, exactly. That's the biggest thing, right? When you hear this time of year, especially, you've got, hey, we should try and go get this guy. Well, <laughs> they're not just going to give it, you know, you're not just going right. to get him handed over. Rich, I can attest when we were doing our, our mock draft, I, I couldn't sleep that night. But, you know, we, <laughs> and this is a, this is a, 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 a purely fantasy draft right. and we had but you, had but you understand it. that the reason we were nervous about it is because we had listeners that were going to listen to it and react to it and yeah. and we sort of we do you ha- you can't help but take that into consideration somewhat or at least at least understand that there will be that or reaction. think about the feedback or yeah the reaction is right, going right. to be there either way right yeah uh, actually i want to close on a big time buy thing uh, what's the key i forgot to ask this when we were talking about it what's the key to taking a really good big time bites pick that's going to get approved well you know pictures are tough in some restaurants because the lighting's so dark and um Usually I'm, uh, uh, well, not, sometimes I'm eating by myself, but if I'm eating with somebody else, I'll have them shine a light. And, and sometimes <laughs> the assist, yeah, okay. yeah, the assist, the assist. exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so that, that reminds me, um, on our site when, like I said, it's got a sports slant. And so if you want to make a suggestion or, or contact us, the actual um, email is assist at Big Time Bites. That's right. And then um, it's got some other uh, sports-related features that that uh, if you're on the site, you'll notice. Like um, on Instagram, you can like a picture by uh, pressing the heart button. Ah. On on Big Time Bites, you can like something by, f- it, but it's not called a like; it's a fist bump. Oh, love so it! You love can it. fist bump Let's somebody. Oh, wow. <laughs> Actually, you're injured. That's right. We haven't even seen the cash yet. All right, we'll give you a fist bump. Okay, there we go. Hey, yeah. thanks so much right. for joining thanks, us, guys. Uh, the email is assist at bigtimebites.com. The website is bigtimebites.com. Uh, check it out. Our guest was Rich Cho, general manager of the Charlotte Hornets. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. You're welcome. Anytime. Uh, happy come come on any time the twitter is at big time bites that's so so key gotta get the tweet game going on (laughs) all right thanks so much okay thanks guys a huge thanks to rich cho there doug i mean a real treat and i I was honestly a little surprised um at just uh, you know how much he was willing to chat with us a little bit because i mean you see him in these press conferences and, and he's very you know by the letter very vanilla very uh, how you would want your gm you know not not showing his cards at all but i thought we had a good conversation with him it was cool to learn a little bit more about him about uh, big time bites about the blog so uh i mean that was just a, a real a real cool uh, little chat we had with him yeah, I think he's you know venturing out into these new uh, adventures with uh, with blogging and websites <laughs> and food and, and pursuing his passion i think that's where I think that's where we can connect with them because that's what we're doing here on Locked On Hornets. We are pursuing our passion and a little bit of an independent venture. So uh, yeah, it was cool to have him in studio, and uh, we had a great time. Learned a lot. We played the game. He was, uh, I mean, Joe knows. He was fired Joe up about that. He, he was. He was really disappointed even after we stopped uh, rolling on that. He was. 
upset he missed one of your 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 quizzical questions listen there. if you don't if you don't have if you're if you're at the level that he is and you don't have that competitive fire to know everything that was interesting right that right was cool. i know i exactly uh and so, i think and there's yeah. so much to cover with him doug like i would have loved to next time we'll have back i do want to ask him about just how he got into his gm role i mean he was working at boeing took an internship with the sonics you know came up through those ranks so definitely an interesting story but um, and, and, and a ton more we could cover, but a, a huge thanks to him again for coming out. It's yeah. Cool. And again, the website is big time bites.com. David and I go check out our reviews. What, what did you review? Oh, Enzio pizza. That's right. It you needs, said it in the it interview. Needs CEO. It needs CEO. Yeah, you said it in the interview. So you reviewed an ETO. I reviewed Jack Beagle. So go check those reviews out, sign up and uh, submit your own review. And uh, we're going to be back. I don't know exactly. Cause we're doing this show on a Monday <laughs> We're going to be back this week. I really want to come back for the schedule release, and and it could be this week. It might be next week. It usually comes out around this time. We did, David, we did get the preseason schedule, so we have that. And we got the Christmas Day and opening night schedule. Right, so you're seeing these things start to leak out, and that's Which usually... Which the Hornets are not a part of. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's not news. <laughs> that's that's What up, Sixers fans? That's par for the course. Yeah. Um, but you listen, you have to win playoff series or be an historically, you know, relevant team. That's where the Sixers come in. Or you have a lot of, you have a ton of young talent that yeah, also will do it. So the Hornets don't fit into any of those categories. So that's why normally you don't see them uh, on these, you know, opening night or uh, on Christmas day type of things. But I'm interested to see how the schedule falls for the Charlotte Hornets because I think it had it had some factor in how the season played out last year. I mean, they had that really, really tough stretch of games uh, after it sort of started their slide uh, when they played, I think, uh, what, 18 or 19 games in 30 days. It was, it was yeah. a, a really tough stretch. So we're going to be digging into the schedule later this week, hopefully, if it comes out then. And so I want to do an episode then. Yeah, and we shouldn't see that, I don't think. I mean, they're, they're starting the season pretty early this year to try and avoid some of those back-to-backs. I mean, you would hope that the Hornets can take advantage of that on some of the scheduling front and not have so many of those games crunched up like they did last year. So, I mean, that's the thing I'll be looking for. Um, you know, that West Coast trip is always a big thing. Um, I don't know, any anything you're looking for, anything that you're trying to see as either a thumbs up or thumbs down, like right out of the gate or right around All-Star break or anything like that? I think I'm going – it seems like coaches – because, David – you and I, we're learning this stuff, you know, digging every year we dig a little deeper and try to get more insight from coaches and front offices about what they look for in different, but both on the court and in the schedule and all these different aspects. And the one thing I noticed is that coach Clifford really looks at these stretches, you know, how many games they're playing in a certain number of nights. And they circled those as like, okay, these this is going to be a really tough area. This is going to be a tough area. So I'm going to really this year be looking for those question mark spots because, and I think they really, I think they're circled on the calendar because they really define who your team is. And last season, the Hornets could not win close games and and really did not deal with that part of the schedule very well. And I think it's sort of, set up the rest of the season and not being able to to get things back on the right track. So mm. I, I think I'll be looking for those for sure. So keep it locked in here on Locked on Hornets and on our Twitter at Locked on Hornets because we will announce uh, when, when our next episode goes live. Probably Wednesday or Thursday for sure. Yeah, sounds right. Okay, that'll do it for us here on Locked on Hornets. Thanks so much for listening. Follow us on Twitter. Again, subscribe to us on iTunes. While you're there, give us a five-star review. It helps hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find this podcast. And shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts to buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. Charlotte.